Welcome to Mental Millennials with your host, Shelby Friesen. So today I'm here with Cody Ohm, and I actually just found uh, you through Instagram. Honestly, I was just looking around, looking for cool mental health pages, people that were doing things that I thought were interesting um, in this realm and uh, curious to hear more. So uh, yeah, today we're here and uh, Cody started the Head First Movement, which is, um, do you want to tell a little bit about that quickly? Sure, man. I mean, we can get right into it. I can kind of share that the reason why I started it and kind of what I'm up to now. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. If you wanted to start with that, let's, let's go with it and we can see how you go. Yeah. Why you started and how you got there. Yeah. Might as well jump right into it and just uh, get the ball rolling. But uh, yeah, so I guess I'll share this, my, my kind of background, my story first to give you a little bit of context. And then uh, I'll kind of share with you like the evolution of how it started and, and where it's currently at. Um, but basically, you know, growing up, played every sport under the sun. As I got older, hockey took a bit of a priority. Uh, you know, I didn't play professionally, but I did play AAA and did the whole junior hockey thing. And, uh, you know, during that time, I had a few concussions. Uh, never really thought anything of it. Uh, you know, I was never really out of the lineup for more than like two to three weeks. Uh, but around the age of 20, I started to notice like the signs and symptoms of depression. Uh, it was like the start of my third, second or third, second year university. Um, and within two months, uh, I was in a really, really rough spot, ended up dropping out of school, quitting hockey. Uh, I was pretty much drinking every day. And uh, long story short, I was a mess. Mm -hmm. And eventually my parents stepped in and uh, kind of pulled me out of there because I knew something was off. And we started looking for answers. So similar to you, uh, first stop was the family doctor. <laughs> uh, kind of walked in there and, and, you know, unpacked how I was feeling to the best of my ability. And, you know, without blinking an eye, he just told me I had depression, that there was a chemical imbalance in my brain and that, you know, this little white pill was going to solve all my problems. Uh, so he prescribed me antidepressants and I left uh, his office with high hopes and expectations. Um, but that was the start of, of three and a half years, seeing 30 plus doctors looking for an answer. Mm. Uh, so, you know, during that time I saw, you know, naturopaths, I saw a psychologist, cognitive behavioral therapist, uh, fucking saw a hypnotist at one point was literally <laughs> willing to just like do anything or try anything that could potentially help. Uh, but about two years into that whole debacle, uh, I got some blood work done finally. And to my surprise, my testosterone level actually came back at zero. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, the doctor that, that I had at the time was like, oh, don't worry about it, man. Like you're a healthy guy. Uh, like it's, it's definitely a mistake, but to me, it was a red flag. It was the only thing mm -hmm. that came back, back and that could have explained why I was feeling that way. Uh, so I asked him to do the test again. And, you know, although he resisted, we did it and sure as shit, the same thing came back. Mm -hmm. uh, it was okay, man. I think we have a problem. I'm going to refer you to an endocrinologist. So Waited six months to get in and, and, and see the first guy. Um, and, and, and similar to how I walked into the first doctor, kind of had these high hopes and expectations because I thought I knew what was wrong. And uh, first thing that guy said was that he wasn't going to help. Uh, he basically accused me of taking steroids and, and figured that was the, the main reason that my natural production was shut off. Uh, you know, meanwhile, I haven't touched a drug and I just worked out and played sports my whole life. Mm -hmm. That was super frustrating. Ended up seeing three more endocrinologists before I actually found a guy that would help. Um, ended up finding Dr. Comer out of Burlington, Ontario. Uh, he's actually the head doctor for the Toronto Rock. Mm. And uh, basically, I walked in there and, and, you know, that experience was completely different. 
Um, so I walked in, I was wearing like my own sound grazed hockey jacket and a Chicago Blackhawks hat. And he just like, the first question he asked me was if I played sports and I'm like, well, man, like we're not really here to talk about this shit, but you know, I, I played hockey. He's like, okay, cool. He's like, how many concussions have you had? I'm like, well, I don't know, like three or four and you know, definitely had a few more. And he goes, okay, I think I know the answer. So basically Comer began to explain how, when you get a concussion, it causes inflammation in the brain. And that inflammation can lead to the dysfunction of your pituitary. In my case, after doing the blood work and doing a few scans, that was the reason my pituitary was broken. And that's the reason why my body wasn't producing the hormones it needed to function optimally. Um, Comer rambled on kind of about the science for a little bit, but then uh, gave me kind of the best news ever and you know, told me that it could be fixed. Uh, so he basically put me on hormone replacement therapy that day, mm-hmm. started injections. And uh, within a month, I was feeling a lot better. Within three months, I basically had my life back. Mm. Uh, I was all medication. Uh, I was back to myself. I was happy. I was motivated. Um, I went back to school and, you know, I, I picked everything back up. Um, but, you know, to get back to why I started head first uh, during that three and a half years, four guys that I actually played hockey with or that I played hockey with actually took their own lives. Mm. Um, so, you know, although I couldn't be certain that, you know, they went through the exact same shit that I did, I thought that by, you know, sharing my experience, I could potentially help somebody else. Mm-hmm. So I basically, you know, packaged that three and a half year experience into a Facebook post and put it out to the world about four, four years ago. And, uh, you know, to my surprise, it, it got a lot of attention. Uh, it had like 30 or 3,500 shares in the first week. And, you know, from that, you know, thousands of messages started pouring in and, um, you know, that was probably one of the most rewarding things I've ever done in my life and was really able to point a lot of people in the right direction when it came to finding treatment or, or at least provide people hope. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I always wanted to do something with that, but right when I posted that was when I was starting my e-commerce company. Um, so you probably don't know this, but I actually built and sold a handbag brand. <laughs> so oh, sold, no way. Yeah. So I sold purses online for three years and, uh, grew and scaled the company and we exited it about a year and a half ago. Um, so that kind of, you know, was the reason why this whole project sat on the back burner for that long. Um, but when we exited the business, I, I kind of picked, picked this project back up and, and started to get the ball rolling. Um, so created the brand, uh, the original mission of it was to make the world aware of the impact concussions have on hormones and mental health quickly realized that, uh, a hormones are fucking complicated. B, I know nothing about them and, and C, it just wasn't. <laughs> direction that I wanted to go um so I've kind of like pivoted a few times now and kind of at the beginning of 2020 I found a direction that I was really happy with um so in terms of head first it's basically just an extension of my personal brand and there's really three core pillars to it the first is the awareness piece um and kind of the narrative I have there is like you know we always talk about how courageous it is to like speak up uh, about concussions or, or mental health, especially in like a sports setting. Um, but every time we're doing that, we're just reinforcing how hard it is in the first place. Um, so kind of the narrative I have is, is really, it's just the smart and the cool thing to do, right? Like we only have one brain, you, you might as well fucking take care of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, the second pillar is just trusted clinical resources. So as you and, and I both know from our experiences, it's, it's very hard to find the right help. Um, so I've got a, a trusted list of consolidated concussion and mental health resources that I point people to if they're looking for, for help from a clinical perspective. And then the third aspect is coaching. Uh, so this is fairly recent, but uh, I actually got certified to be a mental performance coach for athletes. And back in the summer, I packaged up my experience and, and the core lessons that I've learned, um, you know, dealing with my adversity and building companies and playing sports and all that kind of stuff into a program. 
Um, it's called Head to Heart. I started running it in August and I've ran five groups through it now. Uh, so that's, it's going really well. Uh, the whole point of the program is to, it's not, it's not necessarily like a, a mental health program. Like it's not necessarily meant for someone with anxiety and depression. Um, it's more meant to help people who aren't in those clinical situations to basically go inside of themselves and, and realize their potential. Um, so it's called head to heart for a few different reasons, but the core reason is it's all about helping people get out of here and dive into here to develop mental clarity, build a better mindset and take action on the things that they want. Um, I find a lot of the time, especially people that are dealing with, you know, anxiety or whatever, we're operating from the head and, you know, it's important to operate from there, but it's all logical thinking. You know, it's, it's what we're conditioned to think, feel and act on. And, and it's where we form expectations and, and really hold ourselves back. And the whole point of the program is helping people get out of there and really listen to that, that intuition and that inner GPS and that little voice deep down that really knows what they already want and then to ultimately take action on it. So the program itself has been really great. Um, and, you know, I've been able to help a lot of people through that. I'm fucking rambling. Holy shit. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Um, so in terms of the direction and what I'm, where I'm planning to go with it all. Um, it's really to, I've got two business on it, businesses on the go right now. So aside from head first, I also have a consulting company where I help other e-commerce businesses, nice. but in terms of where I'm going with head first, the plan is to kind of take this a little bit more seriously and jump into it. Um, not necessarily full-time, but allocate a larger percentage of my time into it. And in terms of what that looks like, uh, it's scaling out head, head to heart, which is the group program that I have. It is uh, making packaging that up into a digital course, and then leveraging my e-commerce background to, similar to you, build uh, build an online business from that. And then number three is within a sports setting specifically. Um, you know, there's a huge gap right now, especially uh, when it comes to like high-level sports. Um, you know, any any you know high-level minor hockey team all the way up to the professional realm has to check uh, a mental health box. And in terms of what that looks like right now, um, you know, basically a therapist or a sports psychologist comes in at the beginning of the year, you know, gives their little spiel and then kind of sits on the back burner for the rest of the year and, and no one really reaches out. Um, and, and, and to me, that's kind of a problem. There's really nothing being done from a proactive perspective to A, make sure that the athletes never have to reach out to that person and then B, to help the athletes, you know, feel and perform their best. Mm -hmm. um, the process of packaging up the program to kind of, help athletes proactively take care of this shit too. Oh, that's awesome. Maybe I'll like sell that to teams or, you know, be, yeah, all the teams can use it. Yeah, exactly. I actually, uh, I created like a pledge program back at the start of 2020. Uh, it was more of like an awareness play, but I had about 200 teams sign up to it and then fucking COVID hit and ruined the whole thing. Oh uh, yeah. But, from, but it, it turned into a bit of a blessing just because I've got leads for, for the program from, from that. From that. Yeah yeah so you can kind of fire it back up and alter it or whatever you want to do for the next time exactly so yeah i just rambled for 20 minutes but uh <laughs> that's where i'm at and that's kind of what i'm up to yeah that sounds awesome um i guess a few things i'm curious about um the coaching program the mental health the mental um what was it called mental performance coach mm -hmm. did, what was the program like that you did for that uh, it's through a company called Elite High Performance. Um, so it was actually, I got connected with a girl named Lauren Williams, who uh, we just followed each other on Instagram, but she's got a double major from the University of Wisconsin and played hockey there. Mm. And then now she's a 
you know, she's a, a mental performance coach and works with athletes all over. Mm-hmm. And um, I was looking to build an initiative for athletes and, and kind of like thought I could go two different directions. I could A, go back to school and, you know, go through that whole process or B, find somebody that is already doing what I want to do kind of and, and learn from them. So I ended up reaching out to her and um, went through a certification process that her company offered and basically took a lot of, um, although I'm not offering the same program that they offer, uh, I took a lot of the tools and the, and the mental skills from that and I've integrated into a program that I'm creating myself. Mm-hmm. And, and their program, like you essentially go through their program and then is it like teaching you to teach their program? Pretty much. So That's it was like the idea. Yeah. Okay. Kind of. Yeah. So they basically had this whole curriculum and it was broken down into four different phases. Uh, each phase kind of focused on different things. The first was around like self-awareness, goal setting, tracking, measuring. Second's all around like brain training. So belief systems and mindset. Mm-hmm. Uh, third is around like peak performance. So confidence, you know, motivation, focus, uh, emotional awareness and intelligence. And then the last part uh, is all just like putting those things together and applying it into like a real life setting. So although I'm not necessarily going to be teaching, taking people through that same thing, I've taken elements from that and packaged it up into a way that I think will be applicable for. Yeah. Um, what you, what you want to do that's for your stuff. Yeah, exactly. And the other thing with that too, is similar to what you said before we got on this call is, is making the shit relatable, right? Like mm-hmm. when you talk to a, a therapist or a sports psychologist, like oftentimes, um, you know, you feel that they're up here and you're down here and, and it's really hard to relate to them on some level. Um, but the way that I want to present the program and the way that I want to coach is, is kind of just to be like a best friend, mm-hmm. right? You know, just shoot the shit, you know, treat them like a human <laughs> and <laughs> at the time give them the tools that they need to, to feel and perform their best. Yeah. I think that's an awesome approach. Um, and with your program, like, what does it look like? I guess in the sense you said you've taken five groups through since August. So like, what is your, you know, what is the group size and how long is each group um, in it for? And like, what does it look like? Like, if I were to take it, what does it look like weekly, like as a time commitment and types of things that I'd be doing? For sure. Yeah. So like I said, the program that I created is called Head to Heart. Uh, it's an eight week group coaching program. So each week builds on itself and, and each week consists of a Zoom call and then, and then homework and Slack support in between each call. Um, I guess I'll just give you like a bit of a breakdown for each week and kind of like the purpose behind it. Okay. Uh, in terms of the group structure, um, you know, I do make sure that everyone in it is a good fit. Um, the group size is anywhere between like six to eight, six to eight people. Um, but in terms of the weeks, um, there's basically four parts to it. The first week is all about introductions. Obviously, it's, it's a group program and uh, it's a safe space where everybody can kind of share their answers and we can all vibe off each other and, and work through things together. So there's an introduction piece. I set the tone for the program. And, and what I mean by that is um, there's basically four values and two concepts that uh, I kind of like enforce throughout the, the whole process. I'll maybe share them with you now really quickly, because I think if regardless if people do my program, they should look for these things in, in other self-development programs. But um, in terms of the values, the first is honesty. So I want you to be honest with yourself, honest with me, you know, honest with the work that you put in. Number two is authenticity. So I want you to answer all the questions the way that you want to answer them, not the way that you think you should, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Number three is all guided discovery. So I mean, like these people have enough shit on their plate. They're, they didn't sign up to go to school. Um, you know, throughout the process, I'm going to be asking a lot of questions and it's up to them to figure out the answers for themselves. 
Uh, I find that, especially within self-development, and I know we talked about this a bit before our call too, you know, so many people like preach different like methods and uh, ways of doing things when reality, like even if something did work for me, like who the hell am I to tell you what to do? Um, so I ask a lot of questions and I find that questions are better than advice because A, they're applicable during the program, but B, they're gonna be applicable long after it's over. And then the fourth is just zero judgment. Like it's a safe space. We're going to you know, talk about shit. Shit's going to come up and, um, you know, it's just, it's casual and, you know, everyone checks their ego out the door in terms of the two concepts, same thing with every fucking self-development program out there. The first is you can bring a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. So all the shit in the program works, but it's up for you, up to you to put the work in, not only during the calls, but after in between the calls and after the program's over in order to realize the full benefits of it. Uh, you get what you put into it. And then number two is you got to put your own oxygen mask on first. So the program's for you. It's it's not for anyone else. Uh, you show up for yourself first. You're going to show up for the world and, and other people as well. Wow, I'm rambling. But uh, <laughs> the, the first week basically is all about self-awareness after that. Uh, so in terms of what that looks like, we really just get into to meditation and journaling. And I, I debunk a lot of the misconceptions that people have about it and provide methods and strategies to make it a more effective and be more enjoyable. So people can actually create a sustainable habit and reap the benefits from it. Mm -hmm. uh, from there, what we get into is, is clarity. So the second week is all about identity. It's figuring out who you are beyond what you do, figuring out who you are at your core. Um, you know, a lot of the time we assign ourselves worth our self worth to the labels and titles that we accumulate, whether it's, you know, an athlete or an entrepreneur or a student or a brother or sister, or whatever. But the thing is, is like, when we're attached to that stuff and we lose it, it can end up making us feel like shit. Like all that shit is, you know, outside of our control and can be taken away from us. So it's figuring out, you know, who you are here so that no matter what's going on around you, like you can be good. Mm -hmm. What we do is we project that out into the future and, and paint the picture of what you want your life to look like. And then we extract core values that you can live by today to more or less help you make better decisions, check in with your intentions, and uh, really trust and enjoy your process. I feel like a lot of the time, especially as a driven individual, you assign, again, your self-worth to specific outcomes that are outside of your control and are oftentimes really far away from you. And, you know, when things are going well, you, you're on a high and when things are really shit, like you know, it's, it's pretty brutal. So, you know, those core values give you a way to, to check in with yourself. And uh, we also, you know, go into, you know, buying into systems and buying into the process instead of just like working towards an outcome all the time and associating your self-worth to that. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, basically after the clarity piece, uh, we look at the, the vision that you created and figure out the mental blocks that are preventing you from getting there. And we boil that down into like the core belief systems that you formulated over the course of your life. And a lot of the times you pick up those things from childhood and we really dig deep and undercover it. But instead of just like, identifying where it came from and like dwelling on the fact that limiting beliefs suck what we do is we, we really get to the core and then we flip it on its head and paint the picture of what the empowering version looks like and then i give everyone in the program strategies and tools uh to more or less snap out of that shitty state when they're in it uh, and to take advantage of what that empowering state looks like for them and then from there we get into the mindset stuff so really just uh, giving them tools to amplify their confidence motivation and focus um, so they can make their mindset work in their favor and then the last part is all about action um, so the first part of that is you know designing your environment so you know it's a lot easier for people to look outwards than inwards a lot of the time so we're going to look at like the people places and things that either lift them up or hold them back 
And from there, they'll make decisions on like what they want to remove, what they want to create boundaries for, what they want to do more of and what they want to act on now. And then from there, what we'll do is we'll, we'll turn the spotlight inwards and look at the shit that they're doing on a regular basis. We'll look at their routines and their habits. We'll identify changes that they want to make. And I give them frameworks on how to create you know, sustainable, you know, morning and nighttime routines that are going to work for them or pre and post game routines that are going to work for them. And then we also look at habits within that. So I feel like with self-development and especially lifestyle changes in general, like people are coming to you, you know, we all think that we have to do a million things at once. And when we try to do that, we just fucking spin our wheels and drive ourselves in the dirt. So we look at the core habits that are going to move the needle the most. And then I provide strategies um, and basically a system to make them happen. Um, so that they can, you know, create some momentum and then, you know, they can stack different habits on that when they start to move the needle a bit. And then the last week is all about goal setting. So uh, it's kind of counterintuitive that it's at the end, but the reason it's at the end is because now you're very clear on like who you are, you've got the mindset, you've got the tools and you've kind of set yourself up for success. Um, So we create like a roadmap strategy for a specific outcome that you want and then a process to go get it. Um, and then instead of the program, just like wrapping up after eight weeks and, you know, tying a bow on it and sending everybody off on their way, uh, there's an additional 30 days of accountability too. So everyone's got access to me via Slack. And then there's two additional like one-on-one calls that are, are built into it. Oh, nice. Yeah. So it's, it's been a really awesome process. There's been a lot of like thought and, and effort put into it. Um, after every call too, there's, they get the, the recording from the call, they get the slides from the call there's worksheets, there's homework, there's challenges. Um, so yeah, it's just been like a really fucking awesome uh, process to take people through. And it's, it's been so rewarding. Uh, I guess I love like those like light bulb moments when people just like grasp something and then they start to crush it. It's my favorite thing in the world. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Um, and for you too, like it must, like it must evolve too. Like every time you do it, you probably get new ideas and things that you want to implement as well. Yeah, hundred percent. And and the thing that I encourage everyone to do within the program too is share resources that work for them. Um, so the the support for the programs on Slack, and I encourage people to share resources and books and things that they're using outside of the program in there too. Mm-hmm. Um, always open to new ideas and improving things. So um, yeah, it just gets better and better. Constantly. Yeah, that's awesome. I like it. Um, and so, what do you sell that program for then? Uh, like like price wise? Yeah. Uh, it's basically like a hundred bucks a week. So it's like 800 bucks. Okay. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. So it's pretty Sweet. reasonable. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Yeah. I'm just curious. Cause like, well, we can obviously like link that and stuff in the show notes here for anyone who's listening that's interested. And like right now it, it is, um, like, uh, what do you call it? I mean, not mobile, but like it's over like zoom. It doesn't have to be in person. Yeah. man. Obviously. Like this group, the group that I started last night, there's people from fucking all over. There's a, uh, I got a guy that works for an AI company in Mexico city, I've got a professional hockey player to Boston. I've got a girl that runs a dance, uh, studio in Prince Edward Island. I've got a girl that owns an apparel brand from Guelph. I've got a, mm. a curler. I've got a girl that's a curler from the Yukon and the funniest shit, dude, the, the girl from the Yukon knew the girl from PEI, but they both had no idea that they're in the program together. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> That's crazy. crazy. I figured it'd be more like tailored to people that like, you don't really know these people either. Uh, no, I, I mean, I knew two of them before, but it's all been through Instagram. Basically. Right. Right. So, so yeah, it was my second question where are they mainly coming from Instagram? Yeah. Instagram. And I'd say like the common thread between all of them is like, 
they're all in like their 20s or early 30s they're all like pretty driven people have either played sports in the past or had their own endeavors that they took kind of seriously um they're all high achievers but they're just like operating a little bit beneath their potential and they want this program to kind of like be a bit of a catalyst to kind of pick themselves back up again Mm -hmm. yeah that's awesome it sounds like it brings in a good group yeah it's been it's been sick. <laughs> and so how often are you running them then? Just like every eight weeks, you'll do another one starts? Uh, yeah, kind of. I mean, the first couple I ran like every other month, like, or every month. Right. Um, but I honestly, I just want to have one group kind of going at, at a time here. So it's been every couple months or every three months. I just went to, I was just in Costa Rica for three weeks. So I kind of took a bit of a break there too. That sounds um, nice. Yeah. But the last one started in January and then I honestly don't have a date for the next one yet nice yeah yeah it's better not to like stress yourself out about it and everything as well it's nice to just kind of keep it a little slower yeah and and for me i mean like the program itself isn't about the money like i have the consulting business Mm -hmm. it's not like i need to like launch a program every month to like make money from it yeah that's, that's not the intention at all it's it's you know my intention is just getting the right people in it and then delivering and delivering results and providing the tools that are going to help people a lot so the the financial like the price tag attached to it is just to really hold people accountable um you know when people pay for something they pay attention and Mm -hmm. uh, didn't want to make it crazy expensive you know if you go find a life coach and pay two or three thousand dollars a month or whatever that is but you know i just don't feel right charging that because although you are going to see a return from it um i just want to make it accessible if that makes sense yeah no i think I agree. Like I think about that stuff often too, about, um, you know, I have a few little like challenges and courses that I haven't even really pushed that much. Um, but you know, I actually at the beginning of COVID last year, I was doing some like kind of habits, um, productivity stuff and I was just doing it for free. I'm like, you know, I just want to like give this stuff away because people were asking for it. They're like, man, you're always doing this stuff. Like, how do you do it? Like, what are your habits? Like, so I was sharing it, but I find, yeah, like people, people will pay attention if they pay giving stuff away for free. It's like, I mean, how many times I think people also devalue stuff that's free. They go, Oh, well, it's probably not that useful if they're just giving it away. Um, and it's funny because you could probably give your program away and get like a way less engaged, um, uh, group and people who aren't really willing to put the work in and you could sell it for $4,000 and people will still pay and they'll get more out of it just because they paid $4,000 exactly yeah when people pay like i said when people pay for something they they pay attention but i do think there's value in giving some things away for free especially if they feed into like a a product or service that you can actually sell later on oh for sure in terms of the free shit i think there's a lot of garbage out there Mm -hmm. Um, and there is a lot of good stuff too that is free and then that people don't actually take advantage of once they get it yeah for sure yeah, I wonder how much of that's like just in the mind of them going like, yeah, it's free, it's probably useless kind of deal. Yeah, well, how many Facebook ads have they they've seen? <laughs> they exchange yeah. And then their inbox is just plowed with PDFs and bullshit that nobody uses. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, for sure. I mean, that's like the basic ad strategy now. Just give them some free shit or $1 crap. So, yep. <laughs> yeah. like I said, there's a lot of shit out there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and moving forward with this, you do one-on-one coaching through it too? Uh, I don't right now. Okay. I'm not sure if I will in the future either. I, I really like the group stuff. Mm-hmm. I like that similar structure. 
um, you know, I probably could do the one-on-one -on -one stuff, but uh, with that, I want to be able to provide like a higher level of support and, and just with the, all the consulting stuff that I have on right now and with the plans I have to create the, the program, I just don't have the time available mm -hmm. to have that one-on-one -on -one service the way that I would want to do it if I were to offer it. Right. And then the, the, the other service that you're going to be creating, it's a, it's a digital product version of this. Yep. Yep. So I'll just be back basically packaging up the head to heart program and then making it a little bit more accessible. So people can do it at their own pace. They'll mm -hmm. still have all the resources and all of that stuff, but they just won't have, you know, the live calls and, and me there to support them through it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it'll be at a much accessible, more, more accessible price point. And then, you know, to your point with the ads, that's how I ran, or that's how I built the, the handbag brand. So I'll be able to leverage, um, you know, that skill set to get people into it. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, it's going to be a product that I believe in. Really. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Um, I actually have a guy that I've done like a ton of trainings from um, who does, he is basically like an info product guy, builds a lot of cool shit and I've done a lot of his stuff, but it's based around like email marketing. Mm -hmm. But he will take a lot of his programs, like what you're doing with um, with this, where you have the group calls and stuff and he'll record all the calls and like make sure everyone in the group's okay with it. But then he would sell like he, that those group calls, the recorded ones would be in your digital product. So they would like get to listen to the mm -hmm. calls. They just don't get to be on there asking the questions for themselves. So he actually will like say he, say that's like a three day, um, you know, he'll do like a workshop or something like that. Or he'll do like a one month thing like you're doing. He'll do all the calls and it'll be like two or three grand. And then mm -hmm. at the end of it, he'll go, okay, well, if uh, I'll sell this program now, like you're not going to get the same of value, but he'll sell it for like half price or 25% of the price mm -hmm. uh, as a product where people can just listen and take from it, whatever they can. And I've done both of his, like I've been on the live ones and then I've done the ones that he's sold, like um, the recordings of um, like workshops and trainings he's done. And like, it's still valuable. Like you obviously get different stuff, but I still think it's worth both like I think it's cool to to be able to watch the recordings even if you're not there and I think it also gives like sometimes people might be nervous right to be like okay well like what's it like or who would I have to say who's going to be in it or maybe they don't know and they're kind of scared to spend the money and it's like they can buy that and see exactly what it's like and I think a lot of times people will buy the recording and then they'll be like oh man like I actually would love to be a part of this and then they'll buy the full version and get to like fully engage hundred percent. I think, I think that's awesome. I think with my program, the way it runs right now, it probably wouldn't be ideal to do that just because there's a lot of, it's very interactive. Like, it's not like I'm just teaching a lesson and, and yeah. in the chat, it's like, no, people are like sharing their answers. And like, sometimes people talk for five minutes. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if like we're sharing the recordings would be good, but basically what I'm going to be looking to do is take it and then package it up into like two or three minute videos, like little short digestible. Yeah. Chunk, and then packaging it up in Kajabi or, or teachable mm -hmm. uh, and, and sharing it that way. But um, to your point, like, I think there is a lot of value in having people speak up in it because a lot of the time, you know, somebody sharing their opinion or their answer will spark an idea or conversations uh, in someone else that otherwise wouldn't have happened. Mm -hmm. um, so now that it's making me think like maybe there's some other sort of support that I can offer where people can still share their answers and opinions, whether it's like a Facebook group or, uh, you know, a live call or, or whatever that is. Yeah. That'd be sweet too. You could even just do that as like an add on could be like an extra live call or 
Um, mm -hmm. I think the group access stuff is good too. Yeah, yeah. that sounds awesome. Create a yeah. little community. Exactly. Sweet. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I got any more questions about it all. I mean, I, I like the program and everything that that you're doing with it. And I'm curious to see how, how the rest of this year goes um, with all of it and kind of watch along. Yeah, man, I'm pretty pumped. It's gonna be good. Yeah, that's <laughs> sweet. Um, yeah, I don't know. Do you got anything else that you want to say or what do you think? Um, how you feeling? I'm, I'm feeling pretty good in, in terms of anything that I can offer to your audience instead of just like talking about the shit that I, the programs that I have, um, you know, in, in terms of, do you want to maybe talk about maybe what we're up to now in terms of like taking care of ourselves and, and mental health and stuff like that? Um, yeah, sure. Like what is, yeah. What is your kind of, um, yeah. Like, I guess what is your sort of mental health routine in a sense look like, or maybe it's not a routine strategy, yeah. your personal strategy. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it'd be good to like share with your audience some things that they can do without necessarily buying, yeah, or, <laughs> buying our shit. But <laughs> um yeah i mean I, I think i get it now that i started this thing i get a lot of people reaching out similar to how they used to re or they do reach out to you and they're kind of looking for that magic solution or you know they they read your story and they think oh he went through that he's dealing with the shit you know he like what he's doing must be the answer for me too and um for me i had a lot of people reach out in the beginning and they're like oh i've had a concussion i'm dealing with depression like you know i've got the same issue but um you know 95 percent of the time that's not really the case um, so the things that I really point to are, are similar to you, man. They're just like lifestyle changes. Mm -hmm. um, I think that, you know, good sleep, good food, uh, exercise and, you know, moving your body, um, and, you know, some mindfulness and, and journaling, some self-awareness stuff is, is hugely important. Um, in terms of what I'm up to from that perspective, uh, you know, try to make sure I get, get a good sleep every night. Uh, I don't booze near as much as I used to. I still like to, to go out here and there, but it's kind of hard with the, the whole lockdown situation. Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of nutrition, I actually hired, uh, he's called a, he calls himself a neuro nutritionist. Uh, his name's Chet Pinning. He's got an account on Instagram called Brain Ignition, uh, but I basically hired him to do like a consult for me. And he, he asked like probably 300 different questions and like a questionnaire, <laughs> reviewed it, and then um, you know, he had blood work and everything too. So he basically put together this like protocol for me and like gave me foods that, um, he didn't necessarily give me a plan. Like, I don't, I don't necessarily think I'd want to follow like a meal plan and like have to eat like the specific same shit every day. <laughs> yeah. He basically provided, um, different types of foods that I should eat more of and less of based on, um, all those questions on my background, my blood work and all that kind of stuff. So that's honestly been huge. Um, mm -hmm. I used to deal with a bit of brain fog and some gut issues and basically after a month or two of working with him and they completely went away. Mm. Uh, so that's from like the nutritional standpoint. Um, uh, on that, like what were some of the things that you had like cut out that you uh, made a difference? I'm just curious. Yeah. So it was kind of weird because I never thought of it this way, but uh, a lot of like leafy green vegetables were mm. for some reason, not really agreeing with me. Um, okay it had something to do with like my thyroid he explained all the shit and I, I don't really yeah, <laughs> understand yeah. the full detail of it but I noticed I used to eat a lot of like spinach and kale and that kind of stuff and I still have a little bit of it but I, I cut a lot of that out um, and it's helped my gut a lot and it's also helped uh, with some brain fog and other things and there's been some like other like vegetables too that I've cut out and I think a lot of it has to do he was explaining it I think a lot of it has to do with like your ancestry okay so, for example, oh, so he does like a whole ancestry test too. 
Yeah, there's a bunch of questions. Oh, okay. Like the, the way that the sentence that or the thing that he said that kind of put things into perspective for me, it's like, you know, if you're of Eastern European descent, like chances are you're not supposed to be eating fucking blueberries in the wintertime. Yeah. Right? Like you're <laughs> like you're your ancestors like the people that came before you didn't have access to those foods and that's not how their body functioned properly mm-hmm. um so basically he, he came up with like a list of shit that i should eat and shouldn't eat um and, and it's helped a lot in terms of the stuff that i do eat now i eat a lot of like fermented foods so i like right. like sour or kombucha or that kind of shit on a fairly regular basis um i eat a lot more like red meat and uh like fatty fish okay uh, lots of eggs lots of grass-fed butter it's like a higher protein diet, lots of like good saturated or good fat. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, and then carbohydrates, you know, I, I don't shy away from those at all by any means, but um, try to make sure that they're just coming from better sources. Like I don't really eat shit from like a box or a bag. And if I do, it's pretty rare. Yeah. Real and, food. Yeah. Real food. And then I also got rid of um, a lot of artificial sweeteners. So I used to use like Splenda in my, I don't think having Splenda in your coffee here and there is necessarily a bad thing. Um, but if you're drinking like diet Coke and having a lot of artificial sweeteners, it can, it can be really kind of toxic to your body. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't know this, but when you're consuming that stuff, like your body doesn't know what to do with it. And it, if you're consuming enough of it, it puts your body in like, an, it gives your body like an anxiety response. Mm. So getting rid of that shit can be super, super helpful. Um, and then just some other basic stuff, like just, uh, like drinking a, a bunch of water. <laughs> yeah. Throw some lemon in it, a bit of salt in it to stay hydrated too. Uh, cut back on the coffee a little bit. I used to rely on that. Um, and then in terms of booze, like I, I just, first of all, I don't drink as much as I used to. And, and when I do send it, like it's very rare. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I'm just going to drink casually, I kind of stay away from uh, like craft beers and that kind of shit. And uh, he actually recommended that I drink like Bud Light and Sapporo. Uh, so- <laughs> as far as the japanese beer right yeah it's like all rice based stuff and it like surprisingly like my gut i used to get like my gut used to be really fucked up for like two or three days after yeah uh, but drinking that stuff it just doesn't really affect it anymore as long as i'm not having fucking 12 of them yeah yeah <laughs> um so yeah that covers like the nutrition side in terms of working out like i've always been in the gym and gym and that kind of stuff um i'm lucky during covid like I mean, it's a lockdown situation now and I'm in self-isolation because I just got back from Costa. So I'm kind of without one, but my buddies have a private gym that I've been lucky enough to go to. So I'm in there all the time and um, just making sure that I you know, move my body every day. And then in terms of the mindfulness meditation stuff, it's, you know, that kind of, I do that stuff every day, but I don't necessarily do the same practice. I kind of just do it in a way that feels right. And, you know, when I get bored of it, I, I'm not afraid to kind of change it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of the shit that I'm up to. It boils down to just, you know, giving your body what it needs. I think that's really overrated. A lot of people are, like you said, are kind of looking for that magic pill or that, <laughs> that specific thing. But in reality, that's just not how it works. Um, and I think a lot of that stuff is, is very underrated and it's all within your control. Like you can mm-hmm. manage of it today. You don't have to wait to see a specialist or go see a doctor to make that shit happen. No, exactly. There's a lot of little stuff you can do on your own. Um, and like right now with those things like meditation, mindfulness stuff, like, I mean, kind of all of it on average, like how much time a day do you think you're averagely spending, uh, doing these things? Um, so I, I've been journaling every day for, I don't know, probably 10 or 15 years. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, I mean, in terms of what that practice looks like, I do it in the morning, maybe 15 or 20 minutes. Um, 
you know, it usually involves some sort of like gratitude practice and then just kind of like dumping my brain out onto the page after mm-hmm. in terms of the mindfulness stuff. I really go into spurts. Um, you know, I, you know, I used to have like the headspace app and the calm app and stuff and, and kind of do it from like a guided perspective. I think there's a lot of value in that, especially if you're starting from scratch. But I also think that at the same time, that's the reason why a lot of people give up. They mm-hmm. think that that's the only way that they can do it and they start it and, you know, they get to day 10 and they're kind of like, fuck this. I don't like this. <laughs> so, you know, I do change it up and, and, and do different things as well. Um, two other ways that I, I do it, three other ways that I, I kind of practice it on a regular basis or, you know, number one, just like breath meditation or like when I'm like feeling anxious or stressed, I'll do some like box breathing. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, but basically like, taking your conscious attention away from whatever the fuck you're focusing on, focusing on the breath, four in, four at the bottom, four out, four at the top, mm-hmm. doing that, you know, five or six times, not only like takes your attention away from like whatever you're getting fucked up about, but it also like calms your nervous system and chills you out a bit. Mm-hmm. So I do that like calls or anytime I'm really feeling stressed. Um, the second is sitting in silence. Uh, so this is something uh, a mentor of mine um, basically presented to me back in the summer and uh it was really fucking hard in the beginning because <laughs> like usually like if you're focusing on your breath you've got something to do but when you're sitting in silence you don't and your mind goes nuts and you feel like you need to get up and, and do things and you know doing is based on performance um so if you think you need to perform that you, then you really just have a problem being mm-hmm. so it's, it's a really cool exercise to just like follow your thoughts because oftentimes they're going to present something that you need to work on later um, but eventually you'll get to the stage where you can just chill the fuck out. And then it's actually like really therapeutic. <laughs> <laughs> the third way is, um, like sitting or not sitting, but, uh, just being fucking mindful, like just putting the phone away and just being present and like being fully like, uh, yeah, just being fully present whenever you're doing. So whether that's like going for a walk with my dog and, you know, not, thinking about all the different things I have to do but just like looking around and like fucking enjoying nature or like (laughs) eating my breakfast or my lunch without the tv on or the computer in the background um just practicing mindfulness from that perspective is something that's super easy to do and like can be done at any time so Mm -hmm. that's what it kind of looks like on a day-to-day basis It, it changes a little bit but those are kind of my staples yeah I love that I mean it's the second one um the silence thing I, that was something I had to do with my life coach. I think it was two year or two ago now where, um, he's like, if you feel like you have to do something like just sit there. And, and I think it kind of reminds you of like meditation too, where people think you have to sit there like a monk and have these weird positions or, or whatever it is. Right. And it's like, you know, the basis of meditation is just sitting with yourself. And like, in reality, I think that's like the first step is just like, you don't have to try and control your thoughts or whatever you're doing. Like you just sit there um, in silence with nothing else. And it's crazy, like you said, how hard uh, it is at first. And there's so much going on. But there's a quote from Ram Dass that I always remember. Some people post on Instagram, but it's basically says, you know, if you think you don't have time to sit there for 10 minutes, you should sit there for 10 hours. Yeah, Um, 100%. And it's like, I always think of that when I'm like, man, I don't have time to just sit here for 10 minutes right now. I'm like, wait, I'm like, I know how much better I'm going to feel and like everything after. So Mm. I I always do that Um, now. And I mean, that's all I really do. Similarly, it's like, I I will do like usually 10 to 20 minutes uh, a day. And Mm. I like to, I will set intervals a lot of times too, where it's like, if I'm feeling like I can't do 10 or 20 minutes, I'll set like a 
five minute timer and then I'll just restart it. So it's like mentally, it seems like it's less time. Um, and then I also liked, yeah, like what you're saying, third point on the kind of mindfulness and taking your phone away and just eating without the TV. It's like actually just tasting your food, like take a bite and like, think about what it tastes like. Like, like how many people don't even taste their food? They're just watching the news and like thinking about COVID and having no taste or something. I don't know. But (laughs) Um, and like with the phone thing too, like every night I put my phone, uh, from eight till eight in the morning, like 8 PM till 8 AM. Um, I don't use my phone. So Mm -hmm. I'll usually put it like in a drawer or in, um, I have a cupboard in my kitchen. I also Mm -hmm. don't like no phones in the bedroom. I haven't had a phone in my bedroom for like, probably like a long time. I don't know, but I I leave it in the kitchen and I leave my door open and that's also helps me get up because my annoying ass alarms in the kitchen I have to walk out there so you've like physically moved by the time you shut it off um instead of like yeah. just rolling over and smacking it and then deciding to check instagram for an hour and going back to sleep or whatever it is yeah um, that's the exact same strategy I, I well first of all i never tell anybody what to do like i think people that this is a complete side note but i think <laughs> like or, or lifestyle changes or whatever like anyone that says you have to do something and can't do something else that that helps you is just it's just complete bullshit and mm-hmm. i feel their credibility <laughs> say that um but yeah in terms of like the phone thing the just creating distance from it uh, and creating those like physical boundaries is something that i always recommend to people especially if they have a hard time with it mm-hmm. um, putting okay. first of all having your phone outside of the bedroom and not being tempted to look at it late at night is going to help you get a better sleep but a, it kind of forces you to put your fucking feet on the floor in the morning and, and get your to bed, uh, which is awesome. But yeah, I mean, I think your phone, it's an amazing tool, but at the same time, like um, it's such an easy way to distract yourself and to procrastinate from things that you don't want to do. It's like mm-hmm. an uncomfortable emotion or an uncomfortable situation that people get in. Um, they just go right here and they get that little hit of dopamine and, um, you know, they kind of fall into that trap instead of actually acknowledging the feeling and working through it and, and, and ultimately like taking action on the shit that they want to do. So I think creating those boundaries is super important. What, what do you think like for you, what, if you use your phone too much, like what's the worst, like what, what do you dislike about it the most or like the, the, the negative effect that it would give you? Um, I think the problem, the problem is definitely consumption. Um, mm. So can use my phone in constructive ways for sure like email and building my business and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. do you think that there's diminishing returns from like sitting on it all day and <laughs> i don't do any of the growth hacking shit that a lot of people do but it's easy to get wrapped up in that and mm-hmm. followers and all that bullshit on, on instagram um in terms of sorry the question was like what do i do or like what what do i struggle with yeah more so just like yeah like i guess maybe if there's like a mental thing you notice if you use it too much um or something or some sort of side effect of too much use that that you like I guess for me I just will have like triggers where it's like okay I'm feeling this I know I'm on it too much like I need to put this thing away so like like is there something that triggers you that you know right away like okay fuck I'm on this thing way too much for sure and that's why I put my screen I don't know if you can see that my screen time widget oh yeah so today I've already used it for two hours and 12 minutes which is more than I'd want to use but every time I look at my phone, there's a reminder staring me in the face of like how much I've actually used it today. Mm-hmm. Um, when I do find myself using my phone a lot, I, I'm definitely more anxious and more on more on edge. And, and I'm usually in a shittier state. 
um, part of my journaling practice for a while was actually like recording my screen time from the previous day and like how I felt from it. Oh, that's cool. Uh, Yeah. And I found that like every time I spent more than three hours on my phone, uh, I was just like in a shitty mood and, and oftentimes you're preparing yourself and, um, you Mm -hmm. know, just getting up and all that kind of shit. And, you know, comparison is like cancer to the brain, like cancer to the mind. It's, It's brutal. Um, so in terms of ways that, you know, have helped me, it's similar to you creating distance from my phone. So when I'm doing work, the phone's usually in a different room. When I'm sleeping, it's on the other side. It's not out of the room, but it's on the oh, yeah. table. Um, and then I removed all notifications. So it sounds mm-hmm. like me, but um, fuck, one of the pet peeves I have, like my girlfriend does it. She doesn't have notifications off and she doesn't check her email. So she got like, she's one of those people that have like 1500 fucking Gmail notifications. Yeah. <laughs> it drives me bonkers, but for me, I got rid of everything. I don't have any notifications, like even text messages and email. Mm-hmm. I check my email, you know, two or three times a day and I deal with shit when I'm ready to deal with shit, not mm-hmm. when it just thrown at me. That used to be a huge problem, especially with the e-commerce company. You know, a fire would come up and I'd have to put it out at whatever hour it was and it would completely sidetrack me from whatever I was doing. And then similarly too, when I got an email that was good, so like sales started coming in, um, you know, those emails me made me feel great but when the sales weren't coming in uh, i felt like shit about myself mm-hmm. so like i removed the notifications and then the same with the text messages too like mm-hmm. I, I i'm sure you're familiar with being in a group chat you know, yep. I'm, in a, I'm in a few of those and I, I can't stand my phone going off 24 7 with that and even with like just text text messages from friends and family and that kind of stuff like if it's urgent they'll get a hold of me right they'll mm-hmm. give me a um, so for, for my text messages, I, I have notifications off too. And I, I kind of just check it, you know, every hour, or every couple hours or whenever I, I, I want to take the time to do it. So those are some strategies that have kind of helped me, but definitely when I'm con- on my phone too much or consuming too much social media shit, uh, um, I'm just anxious and just not in a, in a state that I want to be in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, uh, those are all good. I like it. The, um, yeah, I find it's, I just find it so easy to get like, it's almost like you're giving your day away to other people, you know, if you have your notifications on and, and, and everything. And that's kind of how I feel like if I, if I have my phone on in the morning and I engage with people, like, I'm not like, it's my day, but I'm giving it away to whatever they want because people are like, oh, and even if it's, they just want to talk because it's a friend, like, hey, what's up? How's it going? Well, if I reply to those messages all day, as soon as they came in, that's all I would spend my day doing. Um, so it's tough to like, and you know, it's not being mean and not replying to your friends, but it's just different. Um, yeah. You're, you're in pure reaction mode. Like I, so many people get up and they grab this thing first thing mm-hmm. and they're taking attention away from themselves and putting it on the world or, or other people. Mm-hmm. And if you set your day up for success and having a, a pure intention through it I, I don't think that's the best strategy personally no <laughs> some, people, some people do it some people can do it but for me it just doesn't work no not at all no um yeah man that stuff's awesome like i like to hear about all that and the shit that you're actually doing i think that's super useful for everybody else as well obviously any listeners and and people out there um is there any any sort of last things that you think anything not not really man i I definitely wanted to share like the story the programs um and then just kind of like some actionable things that your listeners can take take action on after they listen to this Mm -hmm. um 
if they want some more information, I'm always kind of sharing shit on my Instagram. That's kind of like the, the main, I guess, really the only platform that I share shit on. I probably should be a little bit more active elsewhere, but I'm, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, exactly. But, um, you know, share some stuff on there too, but I think we kind of hit the nail on the head with uh, a lot of that stuff. Um, but yeah, I really appreciate like what you're up to as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, great to learn a little bit more about what you do before we kind of jumped on the recording here mm-hmm. but yeah i really appreciate it. the retreats uh in the center that you're building sounds fucking dope <laughs> yeah, i'll <laughs> let you know i'll keep well i'll keep you in touch and we'll you'll have to come out when it's ready you're in you're in vancouver whereabouts are you we're in van so well i'm like just outside of van like i'm in langley fort langley area yeah uh and then the our properties in rock creek so it's an hour and a half south of Kelowna or 40 minutes east of a soyuz cool if you Sweet. Ever, yeah so yeah my uh, i've got family in Kelowna, and then i've got my little sisters in van nice so i'm out there well with covid i haven't been out there for a little while but i'm usually out there two or three times a year so i'll nice. definitely we'll definitely have to link up and i'll definitely come check it out yeah that sounds awesome man well i'm excited to, to follow along with your stuff too and and see how it's all going and then yeah we'll link up in the future 100 man thanks thanks for having me yeah, I appreciate everything and I know it'll be valuable for the listeners. And yeah, thanks again. And I'll, yeah, we can link all this stuff too. So I'll reach out. You can send me uh, the links and we'll put it all in there so they can check out your page and everything else. Oh, yeah. I'll just, I mean, it's pretty simple. I'll just, just the Instagram's probably good. Okay. I've got the too. It's nothing, nothing crazy, but yeah. Yeah. It was a good chat. It was, it was good to talk about like the other stuff after, after like the story and the programs and stuff, just like talking about shit that we're up to. Man. It's, it's pretty mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Awesome. Cool, okay. man. You feel uh, complete? Yeah, I think we're I think we're good to go. I, I don't think I said anything either that necessarily crossed the line. So I, <laughs> I think we're, we're good to go. If you want it, like I'm I'm happy happy with it. So feel free to post it as is. Okay. Uh, and then in terms of how I can help you, is there anything that I can do on my end to obviously sharing the content that you put out? But is there anything else I can do to support you? Yeah, like I think right now that's pretty much it. I don't really know. Um, I don't know. Maybe we can talk a bit um, after uh, over email, but I don't know. Uh, right now, yeah, I'm just kind of sharing it, trying to get it out there. And and yeah, the more or I, I guess for us to guess, like if you know anybody who might be interested in, in sharing their stories or or something um, along along those lines, I'm always happy to have new guests and it makes my life um easy too because i know it's nice too like when you have a good guest they likely have friends or know people um along the yeah. same line so that would be super awesome the uh the girl that certified me uh her name is lauren williams okay she she's got a pretty cool story um she's on instagram too i'll, I'll find her handle and i'll type it into the chat okay but she usually open to, to hopping on podcasts anytime uh I think she'd be good to have. Okay. And then I do, like I used to feature people on my page. Mm-hmm. So any of those people, I mean, you could reach out to them. They might be interested. If there's anyone specific that you want to reach out to, let me know too. And I can maybe send them a message. So it's like a warm intro instead of just like a random. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That sounds good. Yeah. Cause like we've been, I don't know, kind of in back, not back burner mode. Like I'm still doing the podcast and getting it all out there, but I mean, my vision for this is something much larger, you know, like I'd love it to be one of the top podcasts um, 
out there and be, be able to share this stuff and just have it go bigger, like to have, um, and integrate it with the resort and all those things and be able to like what you're doing to bring people trusted resources. Cause they're hard to find. And like, that's, that's the idea behind it. And right now it's just not as big, but that's what I want to put the time into this year is like getting a bigger audience traction and uh, really getting that out there to help more people. Because I mean, I can sit in here and talk to people all day, but if it's not being seen by the people who need it, it's not really that useful. So um, really this year, I want to focus on getting it out there. I, I get that hundred percent too. And, and in terms of uh, like the marketing side of things, um, you know, my consulting stuff is a little bit different. Like I work with email or subscription-based clients. Right. Um, if I want to like pick my brain from that perspective, I've got a fair bit of experience like building lists and selling shit online. Okay. So if you ever want to set up a call or, or have any like specific questions um, regarding just building like an audience from that perspective, I'm, I'm happy to help. Okay. Uh, you mentioned like the email list side of things and um, with the consulting stuff, I, I work with e-commerce companies. And I also work with a handful of businesses that build their, uh, basically built their business on the back of an email list. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm either in charge of running ads if they're spending a lot of money, uh, or managing their growth team and providing like the holistic strategy behind it. Nice. Uh, So if you have any questions from like building a list or, or anything from that perspective, like feel free to reach out with questions or whatever, and we can hop on a call too. Okay. That'd be awesome, man. Yeah. Sweet. Well, yeah, I appreciate everything. Um, We'll definitely be in touch. Beauty, man. Well, thanks for thanks for having me, and we'll uh, we'll talk soon. Yeah, sounds great.